Welcome back to Generals and Napoleon, Episode 16, Marshal Marmont, Duke of Ragusa. One of the most controversial marshals, Marmont is remembered for a number of things. He was Napoleon's oldest friend. He was a brave soldier who defied death many times. He helped revolutionize the artillery of Napoleon's army through his reforms. His administrative skills were arguably the best amongst the marshalate, having done wonders during his years in the Illyrian provinces. But he is best remembered as a traitor of Napoleon for having made a separate peace agreement with the invading Allied forces in 1814. This ended any negotiating power for Napoleon's abdication and cost him the possibility of passing his throne and dynasty to his son. Much like the name Benedict Arnold is known throughout America as a traitor, Marmont's title has become a byword for betraying. The verb Raguser, derived from his title the Duke of Ragusa, became a household word in France meaning to betray. Many years later, Marmont was an outcast, an old man wandering through Venice. Italian children in the street would point and say, quote, there goes the man who betrayed Napoleon, end quote. So how did Napoleon's oldest friend sink to this level? Let's find out. Auguste Frederic Marmont was born on July 20th, 1774, in the French town of Châtillon-sur-Seine. He was the son of a noble ex-officer who trained Marmont for a career in the military from the day of his birth. It was said that his father often remarked to young Marmont, quote, Merit without success is infinitely better than success without merit but determination and merit always command success, end quote. Perhaps for this reason, Marmont thought his efforts for Napoleon should always be rewarded. In 1792, the 18-year-old Marmont was accepted into the Metz Artillery School. As mentioned in previous episodes, the artillery arm was not as affected by the French Revolution as the cavalry and infantry were. The aristocratic Marmont did not approve of or participate in the excesses of the French Revolution. He remained focused on his military studies at the artillery school. He graduated as a lieutenant and was assigned to the Army of the Alps under General Kellerman in 1793. He performed well and later caught the attention of a young Napoleon Bonaparte during the Siege of Toulon. Napoleon had an eye for talent and was impressed by Marmont's creative methods for handling his cannon batteries. Marmont became an aide-de-camp for the future emperor, and their friendship was sealed for the next 21 years. Marmont even brought Napoleon home to meet his parents. For Napoleon's 1796 Italian campaign against the Austrians, Marmont was made a major of artillery. Before attacking the Austrians, 
Napoleon first decided to knock their wavering allies, the Piedmontese, out of the war. At the Battle of Mondavi, Montmont assisted Napoleon in a frontal attack that helped carry the day. The Piedmontese quickly sued for peace after this battle. The young Marmont was thrilled with Napoleon's earliest successes, telling his friends and colleagues, quote, what promise he holds out to us all, end quote. In the latter improbable victory of Castiglione, Marmont assembled 18 cannons that devastated the left flank of the Austrian army and helped General Augereau complete the victory. In Marmont's memoirs, he stated, quote, I never at any other time endured such fatigue as during the eight days of that campaign. Always on horseback, on reconnaissance, or fighting, I was, I believe, five days without sleep, save for a few stolen minutes. End quote. The year of 1798 was a busy time for young Marmont. In addition to helping Napoleon seal another battle victory at Arcola, Marmont married Anne-Marie Hortense Perigo, the daughter of a wealthy banker. Unfortunately, their union was an unhappy one, as Marmont was usually dispatched outside of France during Napoleon's reign. They had no children and were divorced in 1817. She outlived him by five years, dying in Paris in 1857. But those early triumphs in Italy were generally happy times for Marmont, who remarks years later, quote, We marched surrounded by a kind of radiance whose warmth I can still feel as I did 50 years ago. We were like a big, happy family, end quote. Also in 1798, he accompanied his chief for Napoleon's Egyptian campaign. He performed well during the quick invasion of Malta and earned a promotion to general of brigade. He also participated in the Battle of Alexandria and was made commander of that garrison while Napoleon continued his conquest into Syria. He learned many useful administrative lessons as commander, such as repressing local uprisings, maintaining the pay and health of his troops, constructing canals to improve mobility of provision barges, and maintaining communications. But Marmont didn't like his posting in the secondary theater of war that was Alexandria. It caused him great envy to see his colleagues achieving new glory in Syria while he was relegated to a sideshow front. This wasn't to be the only time he would be stationed at a secondary theater. Fortunately, he was amongst the few officers chosen by Napoleon to make a secret return from Egypt to France. In 1799, he assisted in the government coup that made Napoleon First Council of France. In 1800, he was presented with a challenge of getting Napoleon's artillery over the Alps to fall upon the rear of the Austrian army. He instructed his troops to hollow out tree trunks to make sleds for eight-pound cannons and mortars. 100 men were harnessed to each gun and it took two days to drag them over the mountains. The next challenge was to drag the cannons quietly to avoid noise detection from the Austrian stronghold at Fort Bard. After two attempts to sneak past the fort were beaten back, Marmont had an idea. 
His troops waited till dark, and then under the guns of the town, spread straw and manure on the streets, and wrapped the cannon wheels to muffle the heavy sounds. The artillery made it through and played a decisive role in Napoleon's victory at Marengo. During the battle, Marmont's mass cannonade opened the hole in the Austrian lines for General Kellerman's famous cavalry charge that carried the day for Napoleon. After the Marengo campaign, Napoleon made Marmont general of division and inspector general of artillery with total authority to reorganize that arm of the French army. His first job was to provide a proper train to ensure easy mobilization of the artillery. Marmont noticed that too many different types of cannons existed. He replaced the seven old types of cannon with just three. He also reduced the different sizes of wheels for gun carriages, limbers, and wagons from 24 down to eight, thus greatly simplifying the provision of ammo and the work of repair in the field. This uniformity and reduction in equipment allowed the French army to move at a much faster pace than their enemies. He applied the same reforms to the Italian artillery during his service there in 1802. In 1804, Marmont received his first major ego blow from Napoleon by not being named one of the original 18 marshals of the empire. He thought his track record should have earned him a, a baton, but apparently his friend and emperor thought otherwise. This bitterness towards Napoleon would continue to grow and ultimately ruined both men. But in hindsight, Napoleon was probably correct in not elevating his friend to martial status. Marmont was instead awarded the Legion of Honor and received an independent command of Second Corps during the Ulm campaign against Austria. He was the only one of the seven corps commanders that was not a marshal in this campaign. After Napoleon's 1805 victory at Austerlitz, Armand was dispatched as governor of Dalmatia, a newly acquired territory in what is mostly the country of Croatia today. He would spend the next five years of his life there, organizing the legal system, modernizing the fiscal and educational system, and building 200 miles of roads. This territory hadn't seen new roads since Roman times. These roads allowed Marmont's small army to travel quickly to any hotspot of revolt in the country and beat off any incursions by foreign forces. There were other benefits of these roads as well. First, the increased means of traffic allowed farmers and merchants to find a market for their goods, and the prosperity of the country increased. With new prosperity came contentment, business and factories were established, and the mines and other natural resources were exploited to increase revenue. After Napoleon's downfall, the Emperor of Austria visited the province in 1817. He was taking a tour of the roads and buildings and kept asking who built this impressive structure and that magnificent road. After his entourage kept repeating, the French sire, the Emperor responded, quote, 
It is a great pity that Marshal Marmont was not two or three years longer in Dalmatia. End quote. In 1808, Napoleon recognized Marmont's diligent work by making him Duke of Ragusa. But deep down, the prima donna within Marmont chafed at being relegated to a sideshow of the empire, while Marshals La, Ne, Massena, and the others were winning new laurels at the front lines. He was finally recalled to the front for the pivotal battle of Wagram in 1809. Through an exceptional feat of marching, Marmont and his troops made it to Wagram just before the battle started. On the way, he defeated an Austrian holding force at the Battle of Grasse. His corps was held in reserve during the massive Battle of Wagram, but Marmont was ordered to pursue the fleeing Austrians. During the pursuit, a two-day stalemate developed as Marmont's troops assaulted the Austrian army of Archduke Charles. On the second day of the battle, Marshal Massena's corps came up in support, but an armistice was signed that ended the hostilities. For his efforts, Marmont was finally named Marshal of the Empire, along with Marshals MacDonald and Oudinot. The three marshals were nicknamed by the army, quote, the small change of Marshal Long. End quote. Marshal Long was killed at Aspern Essling two months earlier. This was an unfair comparison, as all three marshals performed well for the emperor and were better generals than some of the original 18 marshals. Once again, Marmont was chagrined by Napoleon, who told his new marshal, quote, Between ourselves, you have not yet done enough to justify entirely my choice. At the same time, I am confident that I shall have reason to congratulate myself on having nominated you and that you will justify me in the eyes of the army." End quote. Again, the self-serving Marmont felt slighted and continued to nurse a grudge against his old friend, despite being the youngest general elevated to the highest possible rank in Napoleon's army. After the peace with Austria, Marshal Marmont was sent back to the governorship of Dalmatia, which was renamed the Illyrian provinces. But his impressive track record was noted, and in 1811, Napoleon ordered him to Spain. He replaced Massena as commander of the French army of Portugal. Marshal Massena had just lost a close-run battle against the Duke of Wellington at Fuentes de Enoro. Marmont found his army to be ill-disciplined and ill-fed, surrounded by a wasteland filled with Spanish guerrilla fighters. He immediately pulled his army back to Salamanca to refit and reorganize his troops. At first, Marmont matched Wellington's outmaneuvering efforts, with each army mirroring each other's moves and countermoves. Both the French and British had about 40,000 soldiers in their respective armies. Wellington was trying to induce Marmont into attacking in a set-piece battle on a field of his choosing, but the crafty Marmont did not fall for the bait. Finally, in June of 1812, Marmont failed to keep tight control over his corps commanders, and their lines of march were spread thin. He also mistakenly believed 
that a cloud of dust created by Wellington's baggage train was an indicator of retreat when it was actually a reinforcement division for a planned attack. Armand was in the midst of redeploying his divisions in an effort to march around Wellington's flank and threaten his lines of communications. As he was doing this, Wellington noticed a gap in the French lines and exclaimed, quote, My dear, Marmont is lost. End quote. Wellington was in the middle of lunch with his commanders when he noticed Marmont's mistake, allegedly throwing down the chicken leg he was eating and ordering an immediate attack. Marmont immediately saw his mistake and was rushing to plug the gap when he was wounded in the right arm by cannon fire, as was his deputy, General Bonnet. With the two top generals knocked out of commission, the French army was without a commander for 20 minutes. Finally, the quick-witted General Clausel reorganized the French army and launched a counterattack at Wellington's depleted center. This move stayed off total annihilation, but the French army was forced to retreat. The British and Portuguese suffered 5,000 casualties while the French lost 10,000 casualties and 7,000 prisoners. It was said of Marmont's loss, quote, Wellington defeated an army of 40,000 men in 40 minutes, end quote. This loss induced King Joseph, Napoleon's brother, to abandon the capital of Madrid for a few months. Of Marmont, Wellington described him as, quote, a great tactician, very clever in handling his troops, but he was too theatrical, end quote. Marmont's shattered right arm eventually had to be amputated. And much like his arm, his confidence was somewhat shattered after Salamanca. He would have glimmers of his old wonderkind self, but his performance was in decline after that. Napoleon was naturally furious with Marmont's results, telling his war minister, quote, you must let Marshal Marmont know how indignant I am with his inexplicable conduct, end quote. After being recalled to France, Marmont was back at the front lines in 1813 for the battles of Lutzen, Bautzen, and Dresden. At the monstrous Battle of Leipzig, he actually performed well in his sector and made some headway against Blücher and the Prussians. During the action, Marmont was wounded in the hand and had to leave the battlefield. Napoleon's forces were eventually defeated at Leipzig, and the demoralized French army retreated towards France. By this point, the marshal was war-weary, complaining that he hadn't spent three months in Paris during the past ten years. Marmont's depleted infantry was reinforced with raw recruits and repurposed sailors for the 1814 defense of France. Marmont initially performed well under very trying circumstances. But in the March 1814 Battle of Laon, his sloppiness from Salamanca reappeared. He was ordered to support Napoleon at the head of his poorly supplied troops. He captured a village from the Prussians under Blücher, but did nothing further to enhance his gains or coordinate his efforts with Napoleon. Instead, he retired to a comfy chateau away from his troops. While he was away, the Prussians launched a surprise night attack against the French. 
For some unknown reason, Marmont and his staff neglected to pose sentries to guard his corps' encampment. The French Sixth Corps was smashed, losing 3,200 troops and 37 cannons. Marmont's troops were only saved by a timely arrival of an old guard detachment. Napoleon was appalled by Marmont's slack, accusing him of behaving, quote, like a second lieutenant, end quote. As the Allies pushed on to Paris, Marmont was dispatched to assist Joseph with the defense of the capital. At the Battle of Paris, he and the troops of Marshal Monsey and Marshal Mortier did their best against impossible odds versus the Allies. But the whisperings of the wily diplomat Talleyrand and his own feelings of self-importance compelled him to treat with the Allies without informing his emperor. This ruined any negotiating power Napoleon had as it proved that the army was not 100% behind its emperor. After agreeing in private to surrender, Marmont marched his corps of 12,000 men into the camp of the Allies and ordered them to throw down their arms as peace had been declared. This act of betrayal stupefied Marmont's troops and Napoleon, who responded, quote, that Marmont would do such a thing. A man with whom I have shared my bread, whom I drew out of obscurity, end quote. A dispirited Napoleon abdicated unconditionally in April of 1814, and Marmont maintained his titles, estates, and money by aiding the return of King Louis XVIII. To be fair and objective, there were other marshals feathering their nests for the post-Napoleon era. Bernadotte turned against his former master in 1813 and led an army of Swedes against his old comrades. Murat did the same in 1814, leading an army against Prince Eugene and the French in an effort to save his Italian throne. Augereau also undermined the emperor by failing to heed his orders in the late stages of the 1814 invasion of France. But Marmont's treachery was the straw that broke the camel's back. In 1815, when Napoleon escaped from Elba and returned to Paris, Marmont escaped across the border with the king. Napoleon struck his name from the list of marshals and remarked prophetically, quote, The ingrate, he shall be more unhappy than I. End quote. After Napoleon's second abdication, Marmont increased his unpopularity by voting for the death of his brother Marshal Ney for treason. Apparently, the notion of irony was lost on Marmont. King Louis made him a peer of France and major general of the Royal Guard. His allotment of cavalry troops became known derisively as the Company of Judas. In 1817, he retired and spent a large part of his fortune on experimental livestock farming which turned out to be a disaster. Not surprising, he was divorced around this time. In July 1830, discontent with the royals was growing strong in Paris. King Louis' successor, Charles X, remembered Marmont's abilities and summoned him to Paris as governor of the city. It was an unfortunate appointment for all involved. Marmont warned the king that this was not just a simple protest, 
but a full-scale revolution. But his warnings were ignored. The king's troops, kept for long hours without food in the streets, mutinied and went over to the side of the revolt. And unlike Napoleon, Marmont did not use artillery to effectively suppress the revolution. After a few days of fighting, the royalists had to evacuate the city. When the king and his entourage decided to flee, the king asked Marmont, quote, Will you betray us as you betrayed him? End quote. The Duke of Ragusa accompanied King Charles in exile and left France, never to return. Oddly enough, King Charles is the only French king that is buried outside of the country. Marmont spent the rest of his solitary life traveling throughout Europe, visiting old battlefields and trying to recapture those glory days. He even spent some time tutoring Napoleon's young son in Vienna. He was the last marshal to die, passing away in Venice in March of 1852. In reviewing his career, Marmont had a battle record of four wins and five losses. His reputation was stellar until his failure in Spain. He was one of the most educated of the marshals and even wrote a book on the art of war. Author John Elting calls his March to Napoleon at Wagram, quote, a remarkable 300-mile march through frequently roadless country, scattering two Austrian forces, end quote. Militarily speaking, Marmont was analytical and quick to strike, but subject to sloppiness. As an administrator and organizer, he was almost unrivaled. But morally, he was weak and did not possess the opportunist skills of Marshals Bernadotte or Soult. When it came to sitting on the fence to see which side would be the winning one, Bernadotte and Soult were usually shrewd. Marmont was not. On the plus side, Marmont had a patriotic sense of honor, refused bribes, prohibited plundering, and was one of the best gunners in the French army. If only he remained loyal to his emperor until his abdication, Marmont's legacy might have been different. I believe we will wrap up at this point. Join us next time when we learn about another one of Napoleon's old friends, and perhaps the most talented lieutenant, the energetic Marshal Lang. Thanks for listening.